welcome to SoundingTheLight.com, the place where you can connect to real artists, real stories, real talk. My name is Tara Tucker, and I just want to say thank you for coming and listening today. I hope you're having a great day. I sure am. Today, we have one of our special episodes, the STL Topics. This is where we will be discussing exactly what goes into making an album. Whether you are a musician, singer, songwriter, and you've done this before, uh, you know, it'll kind of maybe give you a little bit of behind the scenes that maybe you didn't know if you haven't ever done this before then it's going to be an extremely interesting conversation. And I have a feeling that I'm going to be learning a lot too. (laughs) Because, you know, in a day where it is relatively easy for an aspiring musician or music artist to set up their own home studio, you know, you have to kind of ask yourself, why do artists, why would we still want to record at a professional studio? Because, let's face it, professional studio is usually, you know, a little bit more expensive. Well, to answer that question, I have a great guy here. His name is Edgar Vargas from Black Cat Studio. Edgar is not only a recording engineer and a producer, he's also a musician, an excellent one, uh, a singer, songwriter. Um, he pretty much does it all too. So I'm very excited to welcome Edgar Vargas to my STL studio. Hi, Edgar. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm very excited to not only call you my producer and recording engineer of my album, but, you know, kind of my friend uh, over the last year. Definitely. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think of. that I'm kind of yours, too. We're kind of friends. Okay. <laughs> We're kind of. So, yeah, you kind of know a thing or two about the recording end of things. But first, before we go into all of that, let's talk a little bit about you, who you are, where you come from. Um, where, where do you come from? Where were you born? Well, um, I've kind of lived everywhere. It's crazy because <laughs> I get that question. And it's like, what should I tell this person? <laughs> Like, um, but I originally, I mean, I was born in Venezuela. That's awesome. How long did you live there? I lived there till I was six. Do you remember very much about it? Yeah, I remember it was hot as heck (laughs) all the time. What was your favorite thing to do as like a five and six year old? Um, get in trouble. (laughs) What else is there? (laughs) Get dirty. Actually, you know, we used to play in the rain a lot. Really? I do remember that. Yeah. I know in Panama, there is a season where you can basically set your clock by the rainy period of every day. Was it like that in Venezuela? No. No, it's it doesn't rain as much. But when it does, it rains really hard. Hmm. So it's a lot of water. And there's puddles everywhere because, you know, the streets aren't right. But... um <laughs> Which yeah, is, I'm so, sure, awesome for, you know, Yeah, kids. yeah. I mean, when it rained, it was like, please, can we just go outside and play? That was, like, <laughs> the best. So That's awesome. Yeah, and then we I moved to Philadelphia when I was six. I lived there for a while, lived in Jersey. Then we moved to Florida, Sarasota. Went to high school there. No music there. <laughs> um, it's, it's starting to get kind of a music but it's not really a music town. So that's why I actually moved to Atlanta mm-hmm. after college. What brought you into the whole world of music? Well, my my dad's a musician. He's actually a very like romantic kind of Spanish nylon guitar. Oh. Um, thick 
voice very oh you know <laughs> yeah so he actually put me and my sisters in music um what did you play first i played the piano first cool. and my little sister played the drums <laughs> and my older sister played the guitar so he had like a whole band going yeah he ch- yeah i think he was trying to do like the jackson five like the vargas three <laughs> yeah my sisters never kept going they actually wised up and said <laughs> Why? And I was dumb enough to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you started out playing keyboard. Mm-hmm. Tell me all the instruments that you play. I would say like keys, bass, and guitar. Okay. But you actually go beyond just the instruments too. How did you get from playing instruments to recording your own stuff and professionally recording other people's things? All right. My senior year in high school, I sprained my ankle or broke it or something whatever (laughs) and I was in a cast and I was really bored in my room and I worked at Journey's shoe store (laughs) selling shoes um and my boss he was like into music and into recording and stuff and he was telling me about this like keyboard that you get it's like a touchscreen, the Korg Triton. Uh-huh. And I thought the name was so amazing, like, Triton. <laughs> like, what? Now we know, yeah. like, what's in a name. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you can record your own stuff on it and, like, make your own beats. And and I'm just like, we had a upright piano. Like, mm. that's all I knew, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm like, you can't do that with a piano, <laughs> you know? So I was like, Dad, my leg, it's killing me. It's, I'm bored. Please buy me a Triton. <laughs> <laughs> Please. And he fell for it. And he's like, oh, yeah. So he dropped like two grand on a Triton Extreme. <laughs> it was not, not only a Korg Triton. It was a Korg Triton extreme that had like extra sounds and to like blow your hair off oh my gosh so i remember going to sam ash i didn't know what a guitar center was (laughs) bought it put it on the keyboard stand i didn't know how to tighten a keyboard Uh a keyboard stand so as soon as i put it on the keyboard it like fell right on the metal so that's how it started but it was like still so trite and extreme oh yeah it was like that was nothing (laughs) i'm a triton yeah. So how old were you when you decided to, you know, come to Georgia? 20. Mm-hmm. I went to school in Orlando um, for recording. Okay. And yeah, I was just like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I have to go to LA or I have to go mm-hmm. to New York or I have to go to Miami. And my dad was living in Atlanta at the time. So I graduated and then went home for a week and packed up. My 1999 Forerunner with as much stuff as I could and just drove up here. Awesome. Yeah, how did you start working at Black Cat? It was actually through a guy that my car was broke down and a friend was giving me a ride. And he's like, hey, I got to stop by and talk to this guy real quick. And I met him. And then through him, I met a good friend of mine named Trey. Through him, I met Jason. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I first brought up before officially introducing you, is the fact that there are a lot of people who have 
home studios these days. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of easy, especially with music being mostly digital now. And, you know, it's not this big, huge deal to make a record anymore and to try to sell it. What is the difference? You know, why not just have us all do our own stuff? You know, I mean, like me, I've got a little bit of... Uh, knowledge of Pro Tools and GarageBand and all of that to press, play, and record. So what is it about going to a studio that you would recommend? What do you do? In a nutshell, that's, right? That's like, loaded. Let's, Man, that's loaded. Let's jump in the ocean I think, all of a sudden. I mean, people have made records in home studios, and they're just so gifted, and mm-hmm. it just works, you know, because mm-hmm. there's so many elements that come into play when making a record it's not just like oh drums and then bass track and then guitars and then vocal no it's vibe it's songwriting it's sonic you know frequencies low end high end mid-range what kind of instruments mixing all that stuff is like the stuff that's intangible the stuff that yeah you can't. it's the stuff it's the mojo you know i can't <laughs> i tell artists that a lot yeah. like the mojo the stuff yeah. the vibe that we're aware of it but we can't see it or feel it or touch it or explain it this mm-hmm. invisible thing that's in the air that we're trying to grab and put it down on a record you know mm-hmm. my first album i recorded all at home yeah and it's, I think it's a, a decent album. I really enjoyed making it. And um, I think it came out, I was really happy with how it mm-hmm. came out. This one, I knew I wanted to go to a studio. Sometimes it's really, really good, first of all, to have somebody that's out of your head and and a whole new, fresh perspective oh, yeah. on, like, say, the songs that, you know, they, they were my babies. And, yeah. you know, they were written and they were stuck in my head the way yeah. that they were stuck in there. And I come to you, and you had this whole fresh perspective. Yeah, making music with people is so much better than making (laughs) music by yourself. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. we all do come from a different... We all have a different story. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have a different background. Like, those prints are in every one of us. When I was... 10 years old, listening to Michael Jackson, or when I was, even before, like, my dad bringing Michael Jackson records to Venezuela from the United States, because I couldn't find them over there. (laughs) That's a print that now affects all the music that I make. That's cool. Forever. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's basically like our personality, Mm -hmm. you know? Every argument we get in, every friendship we have, every, it's shaping our personality every mm-hmm. lesson that we learn every time we mess up we fall we win we lose it's shaping our personality our person it's the same thing with our musical personality mm-hmm. we're being printed for me it was michael jackson when i was that age for you it was mozart when you were you know or yeah. whatever and making music with other people that have different personalities bringing the great elements of their person into your music there's nothing like it. Yeah. You know? So you get 10 guys and five guys in a room and all bringing their best. It's like a marriage. Yeah. You know? Except with more people. <laughs> <laughs> How important is the recording process and especially the mixing process to making a good album? Man, that, it's so important. If you want to be competitive, 
And I know that word is like competitive, like I'm competing. It's art. Like right. I, I get that. But people are used to hearing nowadays, like people hear music every single day, mm-hmm. every single day. Like it's very hard for you to go through a day and not hear music. So people are tuned. Their ears are tuned to hearing low end a certain way and mm-hmm. hearing the vocal a certain way and hearing. Even if we don't quite know that yeah Yeah. but we don't know like that's why you can play a song for somebody that has no musical background or anything they're like no that doesn't sound right that's not good they've been trained we've been trained every time we turn on the radio our brain is learning so if we're giving like really great mixes if we're always listening to really great mixes really great recordings it's like a bad mix is gonna come and you're gonna kind of you know even if you don't know anything about mixing and recording you're gonna be able to tell. There's a lot to do with where you place an instrument and where the ear is going to hear it on which side Mm -hmm. of the head somebody's going to hear, you know, especially if somebody puts headphones on, Mm -hmm. um, with levels of different instruments, volume levels with effects. I had played, you know, a keyboard track and what you were able to do was go through and use the same keyboard track that I played and digitally change it to different styles of piano to be able to find the one that actually was going to fit in with the rest of the instruments and the music and the and the feel and the sound that we were going for, which mm-hmm. is just amazing. So Yeah, technology, I mean, it definitely helps. That That's another thing. Now it's like technology is a brand new player in the game (laughs) yeah you know yeah before it's been always like okay whatever acoustic instruments um whatever we can run through an amp whatever we can run through a mic but now it's like in the computer okay there's a new ball game it's a new there's new rules now (laughs) which has way stepped everything yeah and that's a whole nother learning thing and technology i'm still a student of technology. Mm. I mean, we're we're all still students of music, but I feel like there's so much you can learn on a guitar or a piano, but I feel like technology is infinite. Mm-hmm. Like you'll never stop being a student cuz new things are coming out, mm-hmm. new ways of doing things and you're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> you know? Like, is that frustrating or do you like being challenged? No, like that? yeah, that is frustrating. <laughs> I don't like being challenged. I want it to be easy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> So say somebody comes into your studio and they say, okay, I have this demo that I want you to hear. And maybe it's a keyboard and a vocal. And with just keyboard and vocal, you know, something's going to sound very simple. Well, you're not in that person's head. You don't hear what it is that they're hearing. Mm -hmm. What do you hear? How do you begin to build on what it is that he has brought you? Well, first I have to make the decision in my mind. Do I... Like what I'm hearing. Can I feel this? Can Mm -hmm. I get into it? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. whenever I'm listening, there's always like this, like, yeah, I've done this before. Or it doesn't. You feel inspired or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, is this inspiring me? And if it's not, it's. Then what do you do? (laughs) Do you turn people away? Um, Or do you try to work with. I try to work with them. I mean, I try to understand. In that way, it is almost like a marriage, too, because you guys have to kind of at least, even if you're coming from different perspectives, you have to come to a point where you can work with what you've got and kind of see eye to eye and work towards yeah. the, you know, song is king kind oh, of thing. Oh, it's totally a marriage. Huh. Artists, interesting. Artists and producer is always compromising. Like, I've never done anything that I'm like, 
okay, 100% of that, I, I mean, that's exactly how I want it. Mm-hmm. But that's the point. Yeah. You know, that's the point of making music with other people. Because mm-hmm. you're recording forever, for life. This is going to be around forever till the world yeah. ends. So what is your favorite part of the whole process? When it's over. No. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm not. Because, like I was saying earlier, it there is always like this, okay, are we going to even be able to climb this mountain? Every day I come mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. when I come in to work, it's like, is this going to work? Mm-hmm. And it always works. Mm-hmm. But there's always still the same, you know, listening to somebody's song or whatever. I'm just like, am I going to be able to... Because it's this mystery. It's yeah. like it's got it's something out of nothing. You That's know? also something that um, strikes me very interesting. I find in the world, <laughs> at least in my experience, that that there are people who are creatives, mm-hmm. and there are people who are really not. And then there are people like, say, for instance, you, and I'm assuming you know other people who are recording engineers or producers, where you have to be, you kind of have to walk the line. You have to be both because. As a creative, I don't work well in the business side of things or I don't work well in the very, you know, I mean, sometimes I can be pretty logical and that's great, but I don't have to. I can just sort of flow freely in my creative and that's what I'm supposed to do, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm going to write a song. And then there's the people who are, you know, very business-like. They, you know, their brains run a completely different way, but you... In, in the position that you're in, you have to kind of run both sides because you're having to run the whole technical back end of things yeah. and you're having to be a creative person and be yeah. able to hear and help this, you know, whoever this artist is trying to get their, you know, their baby out and get their, yeah. get their package and their music to work. You've got to help that along. You've got to be able to hear that and yeah. help them with it. You know, but that's not the case. That is definitely the case. I feel like the, the modern produce, the modern studio guy. I don't even want to say producer or engineer. I feel like now it's getting to a point where it is so easy to record, and you know people aren't paying like what they used to. Mm-hmm. You know, before you had like you still have it, but they're not as much. Come, they're not coming up as much. As before, like before you had the engineer and then you had the engineer's assistant and mm. then you had the tape guy and the tech guy and the glue guy and the mm-hmm. drumstick guy. and You had all mm-hmm. these guys to do their job really well. And if I get a chance to do that, it's great. Like, okay, I'm just producing here or if I'm just mixing, then I can be that, wear that mm-hmm. hat and just wear that hat. Or, you know, I can be like just a songwriter, songwriter. like right here, we're just gonna, who cares about you know, mm-hmm. compression and who cares about effects. Let's just write what we feel and, or mastering, you know, mastering is like completely technical. Mm-hmm. I'm out. I'm not being creative. At, uh, there is some creative elements to it. You know, I, I like to feel, but mostly it's like, okay, turn the volume really low and really, really be technical, and now you're dealing with frequencies and stereo image. And like stuff. if music has a rocket science side, that would be that, it. Yeah, that would be it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so I'm pretty much a rocket science test. How does it so feel? So that's going to be on my Proud resume. You. Music rocket scientist. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. So we've talked about the very technical side of things and what all goes into the mixing and the mastering, but what if somebody like me, for instance, has a home studio, 
why would I want to if I have a knowledge of of how to record and maybe some knowledge of how to mix? Why should I spend the money to go to a studio? I think the biggest reason why there's so many little small reasons. You know, your room's not tuned, your monitors aren't um, honest. You know, mm-hmm. you just don't have the experience. But the biggest reason why, for anybody who's thinking about doing a record, putting it out, you know, selling it, actually having people um, taking their music, you know, buying it, listening to it. The biggest reason is that all music, at the end of the day, costs the same. You know, if somebody's on the fence about that, they don't realize most of the time, that, you know, oh, I am spending, you know, if I spent $100 on my track, I'm putting it out on iTunes for $0.89 cents or $1.29 or whatever, and, like, right underneath that song, there is Beyonce's song mm-hmm. and, you know, Bruno Mars, you know, new single or whatever that they spent a million dollars on, and it's also $0.99. Cents. So basically... This song would have to stand up to, like you were just saying, somebody who has spent bukus on yeah. people who know yeah. how to I mean, mix it's... and master and the right recording setup and all of that. If someone's going to listen to a really extremely well done piece of music, you know, really good sounding song that was people spent money to make that song good. Yeah. If yeah. if someone's song comes up next and it's done at a home studio, Maybe it's really good. Maybe they really knew what they were doing, but there is still going to be a really big difference and people aren't going to jump on it nearly as fast as they're going to, like you said, jump on that number one song that sounds great because it was done well. Not saying that it's wrong. I mean, if you love, at the end of the day, like I said, like this is art and this is, you know, what comes out of our hearts and what we love to do. If you want to make your record at home because you love the process and you want to look back and say, man... I did that, and I loved every second of it, and I want to do it again, then that's great, Mm -hmm. you know? That's great, too. It's crazy to think that, you know, oh, this is my first record, but I'm competing, you know. (laughs) With the big guys. Yeah. With the biggest names in music. Yep. You know, there's so many reasons, but I would say that's the biggest reason. It's like, if you want to do something right, and you want it at the end of the day to sound you know, to be par, you know, mm-hmm. for now, the the new um, educated listener, I would say, really consider, reconsider if you're going to do it all on your own. The few times that I've gotten to sit and see you work with little things, I don't know if people really understand how much goes into mm the mixing and the mastering like where you have to even drag yeah. a vocal that's a little bit flat or yeah. if uh, if somebody has pronounced a word a little bit too short or a little bit yeah. too long or things like that there's this whole technical side of things yeah. that is crazy you'd never know goes into all of that yeah it's very 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 meticulous there is software that you can say, okay, quantize. If somebody, you know, has been playing the drums and it's not exactly on the beat, you can quantize and it'll, you know, make the drum yeah. beats go. But then there are some times where you actually have to go in and manually 
either move things a little tiny bit or take yeah. things out or yeah. put things back in. Yeah, because a computer doesn't know music. Right. A computer only knows ones and zeros. So it also seems like there would be a place where if you did it too computer generated that it yeah, would sound it way loses. it would start sounding a little fake and yeah. we don't want the canned music in a box. Yeah. Kind of thing. So you have to have some sort of human quality yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many little things that go you know, it's like painting. You can look at a painting for two seconds and know you know, wow, that's really good or not. Mm -hmm. There's so many little things like color, shade, and, you know, and distance and perception, you know, shadows and all that stuff. Even brush strokes. Yeah. They've been... Man, so much style, so much, you know, personality that goes into a painting and you look at it, you know, two seconds. That's it. Like you just saw the whole work right there. It makes a difference, you know, even though it's quick and and some people could be like, well, it doesn't matter if my compression isn't right on the snare Mm -hmm. or if my vocal isn't exactly tuned. Like people aren't going to know, like they'll Mm -hmm. hear it. They'll hear it one time and know they might not know exactly what it is that that they're hearing. Yeah. Or not. That bass is. Yeah. They but they'll know it's not right. You start taking little shortcuts on building a record and it's eventually going to. You know, you might say, well, they're not going to notice this and they won't notice that and they won't notice this and this. And we're really good at that, at mm-hmm. ignoring what's wrong mm-hmm. with mu- with music for us studio people. We're really good at being like, oh, I've been working on this drum sound for 18 <laughs> days. Like, who cares? You know? Wow. Yeah. But, you know, you do that enough to enough tracks and you end up getting a mediocre record because mm-hmm. you ignore so many wrong things that mm-hmm. it makes it into one big wrong. Do your ears get tired? Do you just come to a place sometimes where you just have to walk away and let it rest yeah, for a little you got, while? Yeah, you have to. Yeah, for sure. I used to spend a lot more time on songs than before I thought it was good. The more I listen mm-hmm. to it, and the more I get into it. But then it starts like you put enough colors... <laughs> in one place and you start getting brown you know <laughs> it's ear fatigue you know mm-hmm. and I always say like go with your first instinct and mm-hmm. make sure that's really really great put a high standard for yourself right off the bat mm-hmm. you know this guy made this recording I forget his name and I don't know where I saw it it's this graph of when a musician is in the studio and is he's actually doing a take on a song it's like the first take is gonna be the sloppiest but the best feeling one and then as the day goes on as he keeps going and going and you know if he redoes Mm. the takes the takes start getting tighter Mm -hmm. but he starts losing feel interesting yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's working on the same take all day. And at the end of the day, he finally gets it so precise, but he loses the whole feel mm. of the music. Yeah, because as good as the technical side should be, and it's good for it to be good, but you still have to have good music. I mean, music yeah. is about emotion and feeling, yeah. you know, as much as it is about how well it's done. Yeah. So. Well, Edgar, I thank you so much for taking your time to be yes. here, um, sharing your wealth of knowledge and information and, and passion. It was really fun. 
A lot of fun. Thank you. And to you who are listening, I want to thank you again as well. Uh, You know, it wouldn't be the same without you. (laughs) And I have enjoyed this time chatting and learning things. I hope you have learned a lot. I hope you guys have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. And I will see you back next week right here on SoundingTheLight.com. Cheers. Cheers.